This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. This will be a 45-yard attempt from the far hash. At eight seconds to go in regulation, Harrison Butker, the biggest kick of his Chiefs life. Placement is down. Butker's kick is up. The spinning kick high, floating in the air, and it is good! 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 Did Cincinnati call timeout? They did not! They did not! They did not! It's a field goal from 45 yards out by Harrison Butker. That highlight was courtesy WDAF, Kansas City. So let's talk about somebody that knows the Chiefs and knows the NFL well and whose company we enjoy here on the Bernstein and Holmes Show, Ron Hughley, who is on Twitter at RealRomTheShow, co-host of Sterner and the Show on Sports Radio 610 in Houston, but also remains a contributor to ArrowheadPride.com. And he is with us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hey, Ron, how you been? Oh, guys, you got me excited with that highlight. Listen to Mitch Holtz losing his mind. I'm telling you, baby. Oh, I'm getting excited. I'm feeling good, boys. Well, we could tell. I was I was following on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, he is in his bag. He's got his cigar out. He's ready to ready to roll. So I'm going to start with the petty. You mind if we start with the petty? Oh, I live in the petty. I know I, I, this. I, I, I watch Real Housewives. I live in the petty. I know you live in the petty. So I wanted to ask you. We know that there's a a certain amount of trash talk that goes on, especially during games. Were you surprised at the level of trash talk that was going on leading into a game where the opponent is Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, shocked. Um, Like, listen, and and I wasn't even upset with it. Like, I'm a guy like, hey, man, they beat you three straight times. Like, they got you and, you know, they they get to have some fun. But you ain't going to rename the stadium. Like that, like that, that was, that was one that got, got to me. Like, that's my childhood. Like it, it, an arrowhead, um, it ain't quite like Wrigley, but in the NFL, arrowhead is one of the, the older stadiums that, you know, that that's what we say. We're going arrowhead. One of those stadiums that they, that don't have no, uh, no business name to it. And if somebody going to come in like in Chicago and try to rename Wrigley after they won one time, I might have a problem with it and then rename it Burrowhead when you got, the man, the dude, like Ric Flair, he is he is the man. Patrick Mahomes over here, the guy who's got 10 wins in the postseason, the guy who's going to be a two-time MVP, the guy who is a Super Bowl champion. Like you you about to you you gonna call it Burrowhead? Oh hell no. That 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 is that is where I draw the line. And 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 Mike Hilton and Eli Apple, uh, y'all can all have it. And and I'm glad and they and, and the mayor of Cincinnati too. Yeah, I mean, where I mean, where is Jerry Springer when you need him? Jerry wouldn't have done that. Jerry, uh, the Jerry I know, the Jerry I know, the Jerry Springer is somewhere rolling around in his living grave that that guy added to it, and they've been waiting on him. I mean, I mean, Travis went full rock in the post game, and I and I was here for it, loved all of it. I think we were both surprised at the number of people that thought that a hobbled Patrick Mahomes would somehow be unable to be a successful pocket quarterback and like what 
um, he's kind of been doing this for a while, and his skill set, his ability to change his throwing angles and find little windows, that's pocket quarterbacking stuff. That's not Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts stuff. So even hobbled, it was clear that he was still fitting it into places where he could fit it, and he could still buy enough time for Travis Kelsey to come open, and that's kind of what they do. Or any any guys they brought off the street. Hell, in the middle of this game, they lost all three. You could argue they're three most dependable receivers. They were all going. They had a special teams guy who just rolled up in here and, and started playing today. They, they called him up yesterday. Marcus Kemp didn't get a lot of uh, snaps offensively. So it just it almost doesn't even matter who he is with. Uh, he showed his greatness. But I just I just want to say this, though, and you guys can can attest to this. Right. Like you had a great dynasty and a great team. Uh, and, and I'm not saying the Chiefs are a dynasty yet, but I mean, five straight AFC championships. They've got a Super Bowl. They win another one. Then we get, can start having that conversation. I mean, a little bit more of a dynasty than what the Bears were in the mid 80s. Well, I mean, that's why I said the Bulls. I didn't I didn't go. I didn't go to the Bears. <laughs> but but, you know, like when you have a, a transcendent player like Jordan, like everybody, the narrative sometimes get is that Michael Jordan has just drugged this team all by himself to, to this point. It, it, and there are times he has, and he did. But the Bulls were a really good team. And I don't care what the narrative is, the Chiefs were a really good team and have been for a long time. Everybody thinks that every game Patrick Mahomes just plays like Jesus Christ himself. But no, like this is a full team, and it was on full display yesterday. They got some big-time guys with pride over there. Chris Jones, I knew couldn't get blocked. Old Siren Sharping, to me, every time the, the, the ball is snapped, number 74, he played two years here in Houston. I watched him. I called him Siren, Siren Sharping. That there was sirens over the top of his head as soon as it snapped. Somebody go help him. He had no chance, no chance against any of their defensive linemen. Chris Jones is good. The depth that they have in the draft, almost all seven of their draft picks contributed in a major way offensively and defensively and special teams. They are a deep team that was more than Mahomes. Always have been in the Super Bowl that they won. Mahomes threw two picks, like, and they held it together and held the 49ers down in that game. So they've always been more than just Mahomes. And I think they put that on display yesterday. Show how bad was, were things for Travis Kelsey? Because you're hearing that he was a game time decision. It's like, wow, if he's not out there, it's going to make life really difficult for Patrick in that offense. Yeah, it, it just it kind of crept up the the second to the second to last play in practice. Uh, he it just started getting back spasms, and then I heard Saturday it wasn't it was still flaring up on him again, and then Sunday morning they just wanted to watch him, but. I think when he ran out on the field, uh, he looked like Travis, and I think it, it made a lot of Chiefs fans feel a lot more more comfortable. So I, it seemed to be touch and go there, and it was a little bit more serious because when he first went on the report, I just thought, oh, it's week 21. You know, I got guys putting on the injury report. He was a full go every day leading up to it, but it, it seemed to get a little bit more serious. So the belief is that D'Amico Ryans is the first choice of the Houston Texans now, which I kind of find hilarious because I know they love firing blackhead coaches. Love it, Dan. So I, but you can't fire them unless you hire them. 
So they could they 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 can't indulge in their favorite guilty pleasure of a hobby without hiring him first. But at least I should be encouraged that they're not hiring Josh McCown. It seems is this in- inevitable that this is going to happen? Yeah, it seems like that is that is the space, and I I, I think they are really really fortunate here. I mean, you know, what if I told you fellas that. The Houston Texans, with everything that has happened in their front office, including, uh, as I as I said to you last time, uh, uh, a, a chaplain uh, that uh, a, a church television evangelist that they allowed to run their organization, uh, everything that has happened, their front office, the bad decision making, making with the coaches and everything, the firing of multiple black coaches, that they were lucky enough, lucky enough to have arguably the top candidate in the coaching cycle be black and just so happen to have a personal relationship and a personal love for their organization. Because I don't know who else they would have been able to get to come over there and trust their organization. D'Amico Ryans knows the McNair family. Like, and, I, and I'll say it to you like this. This is somebody that, I, that, that, that is with this, that's covered this team, I've, I've been with the McNairs. Uh, I, I think they are getting a rap of, hey, I don't want to say they racist, but boy, they got some tendencies. I, I, I think they're getting a rap of that from my dealings with them. I don't think that is the case. I've never had any reason to believe it. I think it is more just, how can I put this, incompetence on decision-making and not having enough people in the room to say, hey, dog, if y'all do this, this is how this is going to look. You know, I I just don't think they've had enough people there. Mm. So I don't I don't think that they are like this is this is some sort of a, a situation where they're you know, they're just a racist group. I don't believe that at all in my dealings with them. I just think they've been more on making bad decisions. But I think they are very lucky that D'Amico Ryan's played here. Former teammates that, that I've talked to, that I've worked with, love know that he loves the Texans, loves being the Texans, uh, and wants the Texans to, to be to be a, a great team. It is, it, I mean, it is so fortunate for them that he happens to have this relationship with the Texans because I don't think that he would come here if he didn't know the McNairs and know – uh, this place and have an affinity for the Texans. That's really interesting. That that gets back to Hanlon's razor, right? Which goes, yeah. never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Yeah, now, I'm saying it ain't good. Like they, I, I, I would hope they have started to make some adjustments, and I think they have of having more people in inside the building that could say, "Hey, I don't know about that." Like this is how this is. This is how people are going to view this. So it's been getting better. So we'll we'll see if it. We appreciated the uh, the solid that Lovey did for us though on the way out the door, Mm -hmm. man. And uh, I I don't know if you had heard this, but I had heard that he went to go talk to the people and and was like, "Hey, am I the guy?" And they were like, "We don't know." And he was like, "Bet, let's go win this football game, Texans." Uh, Oh boy, it was it was fantastic. Brandon Cooks played his heart out for the first time in eight weeks. Uh, he hadn't hadn't cared at all. He had been out and then came out and just put together a performance of which we hadn't seen Brandon Cooks in weeks. And Lovey, uh, Lovey, uh, he helped y'all out, didn't he? He helped y'all out. Boy, it was. I mean, it's the most. They should have never let Lovey walk out there and coach that team. They should have never, never. I mean, Lovey, 
Lovey, the first game of the season against the Colts, punted when he had a chance to win the game mm-hmm. and punted and played for the tie. Uh-uh. Not week 18, baby. Lovey's going for it all. <laughs> Lovey's going for two. Like, man, I mean, it is insane some of the plays they have run. And that was the best two-point two point conversion play they run all season. They try to throw a pass to Laramie Tunzel one time. They try to get the ball to Rex Burkhead in meaningful moments. I mean, every week. This week, though, no Rex. He wasn't on the field in a major moment. Oh, it was it was it was lovey boy. He said, "I got you, Chicago." We're appreciative that he did. When you look at the Eagles, what do you see? Uh, see, I, I, nerves. Uh, for me, I, I felt like people were really overlooking. Where is the game generally won? The game is one of the trenches, and I knew that Cincinnati could not handle the Chiefs' uh, defensive line at all. And I knew that was going to be a problem. And then I, I thought the Chiefs offensive line would do well enough to keep Patrick Mahomes upright, which I think they did a really good job of. They, they don't have those advantages in this game. Uh, the Eagles defensive front scares the hell out of me. Um, uh, I call him 077. Andrew Wiley, who got the bogus uh, 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 taunting penalty, uh, he's going to have some real problems uh, with Hassan Reddick and anybody else they put over there. Uh, but – the Chiefs have faced really good pass rushes in their division. Teams have built themselves to try to beat uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. But the line play is, is a real concern in the injuries. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much, uh, how much more mobility in two weeks Mahomes has as well because they, they're going to need him to be even closer to more 100% to make some of those plays that, that even if the Eagles draw up the, the right defense that, that – uh, that, that he can still make hay. Do you think that Mahomes had a high ankle sprain? Because that narrative got started real quick, and then there were people saying, whoa, 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 whoa. A high ankle, a true high ankle sprain is a four- to five-week injury, a four if you really come back fast. Is it possible this was just a, a normal ankle sprain, and a severe one, but a, but a regular low ankle sprain? Yeah, it, it has to be the lowest grade, right? Like the first touchdown he threw the – he threw to, to Kelsey was a rollout, right? You can run, you know, straight fine, but then he had to stop right. and plant and and fire it off. Um, I, I think he is definitely hobbled. Uh, but no, like when we think about high ankle sprains, um, you know, hell, I mean, there, I know he plays a different position, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, hell, he's he's out like eight weeks, nine weeks with a high ankle sprain. So I don't know. I it, I don't. It, it can't be as bad. Uh, as as some have said, when you just look at the mobility that he that he had, because he was having to move laterally at times, and and it wasn't like every time he moved laterally that like he was limping. I don't I don't so I, I don't think it's as bad as maybe we thought. Show man, you're the best. We appreciate you picking up the phone and dropping some knowledge on us as per usual. Um, maybe we'll talk again. Your guys win. We'll talk again, and and then. Maybe we'll talk again. Is the uh, Astros White Sox kick off the baseball there we go. season? There we go. Hey, real quick, they're not y'all not y'all not trading fields, are you? No, no, that's not no. that's not happening. No. no. Okay, I just I'm about to say, boy. Okay, you can't watch what Jalen Hurts is doing and think, boy, ooh, we got we we could do something with we could do something with Justin. I was gonna say I've heard that narrative. I was gonna say I hope. I hope that's not happening. I, I don't think that that's going to happen, and I think you're dead on it, mm-hmm. that the Bears might have a better version of Jalen. Come and on now. now they just got to build around him, and you could maybe find yourself in some real playoff games that matter. 
That's right. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it, man. All right, fellas. That is Ron Hughley at Real Ron the Show on Twitter. And yes, Texter, a vocal twin of Deion Sanders, yep. without question. All right, when we come back, let's uh, let's address the, the the notable sports death in Chicago today because it deserves attention. It does, although it might not be the attention that you've already seen from it. Hell no. Next on the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2. On Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Bernstein and Holmes, Sports Radio 670 The Score. Right when we started going on the air today, we found out that Bobby Hull died. And all I'll tell you is, however you want to phrase it, however you want to set it up, I, I, I really have respect for the people who knew how to write a lead. And... I think Mark Lazarus did a really good job. I think Scott Powers may have have put it real well here when he tweeted. He just said, Bobby Hull was a terrible person who used to play hockey. And Mark Lazarus's lead, Bobby Hull, whose spectacular on-ice legacy was tarnished by a long history of off-ice transgressions, has died. I think that Lazarus has it right. I also think that some of the other coverage on it that we've seen, especially from non-sports entities has been softer because our nature is to not speak ill of the dead. Like people are uncomfortable when they are put in that place. I'm not. I know you are, but I'm just saying that I think that that's part of the reason that you're not seeing coverage be as honest as what Scott and Mark are doing with it because people don't know They'll use the term complicated. Nope. 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 And that is exactly the article that was written in The Defector by Barry Pachetsky. The headline, Bobby Hull was not complicated. I agree. That's the headline. And his first graph is this. It should be impossible for an athlete as talented and successful as Bobby Hull to have his on-ice accomplishments overshadowed to the point where they're not even the first thing that springs to mind after his death. But Hull, whose death at the age of 84 was announced this morning, certainly earned the ignominy. Saying Hitler had some good ideas and beating the hell out of your wives will do that. You can't choose how you'll be remembered after you go, but you can surely make it harder to decide than Hull did. And he said he was a fantastic hockey player and a horrible human being. To pretend like one of those is somehow at odds with the other is a fool's math. His legacy is clear. I agree, but I also think that you're fighting against centuries worth of human nature. That when we hear that someone goes, it's hard for us to lean into even the stuff that we know. Like This happens in families all the time when you know that the... The, the the uncle was an SOB, and people will still, you can't speak ill of the dead. With Hull, I've always found it troubling and unwelcoming the way that people have forced themselves to talk about Bobby Hull. And I do think that it's okay to tell the part of him being one of the greatest players that's ever lived as long as you do talk about some of the other stuff, when you do talk about him being a serial abuser. I wrote the column in 2013. I remember this column. I wrote the column 10 years ago. 
This was after Rocky Wirtz and the Blackhawks demanded that Susanna Collins be let go yes. by then Comcast Sportsnet. For her making a very simple slip of of saying it was sex for success, right? Like she that though that was the juxtaposition. It, it was it was all wrong. It was completely trumped up. It was terribly unfortunate at the time. And I wrote it ten years ago and put it out there strongly ten years ago that Bobby Hull had no business being employed as an ambassador for the Blackhawks. And the fact that he was for so long with all of this known, and it wasn't whispers, and it wasn't rumors, it's, it was well-known, documented, police reports, on the record, all of it. Everything he said, everything he did, everybody he beat up, all the comments about Hitler, all the stuff about how the black population is is over, too large, is getting too large. I mean, really, the guy was a monster, and it was just ignored. Yeah, but but see, that's part of the problem, and it's why there are still folks that have decided that they're out on the Blackhawks and they're never going back, is because there were a lot of monsters. There were monsters employing monsters over there and that struggle that every Blackhawks fan is feeling with when do I uh, can the new boss be different than the old boss can things be different and he's part of it like that again it doesn't feel very welcoming to have him be an ambassador of the team no matter how great of a player he was he's clearly a a person that you don't want to put out front and there would be the people who would reflexively be like, well, how could you say that? He's one of the greatest Blackhawks who's ever played. So what? Right. Like that doesn't, that shouldn't be able to shield him from what are real transgressions, legal and, and moral. He, he made real transgressions that are not easy to ignore, nor should you want to ignore them. Some people are getting it right today. I, I think a lot more willing now than than they would have been ten years ago because they there is some active learning that's going on when they look at what was going on with the Blackhawks and how how far and the links that whether it was players or the organization that they went to to cover up sexual harassment and rape like this. I think that there were a lot of people who learned a very valuable lesson of trying to cover the the hockey part of it, which lends itself when you have a championship team to some of the hero worship stuff. Yeah, that the reporters have a different job. I know. I, I just I understand you talk about the the instinct here. And there's a note, uh, Bill on Capitol Hill says, I get the argument about the the sad impulse people have when someone famous dies. Fine. That that doesn't excuse the media types whose duty it is to follow the facts and speak truth to power. Yes, but again, when those same people were trying to speak truth to power because of the popularity that grew, they were often threatened they were often told that they were not going to be given access or have their credentials yanked and yes in the perfect world where we're talking about journalistic ethics it is important for people to band together in those moments and push back 
But I think a lot of a lot of it was learned helplessness because of yeah. the the train that was going down the tracks. So I'm willing to give a lot of those people grace when it comes to that part of it. And I think that you're seeing a bunch of those same people now not be like that. That they are taking a more, uh, a, they have a jaundiced eye uh, yeah, when I, they're looking at this and they're making sure that they let their their feelings and what they know about Bobby Hull, they're pushing that to the forefront. That's that's sports media, hockey media. But okay? one thing, I, I am noticing a generational divide. I, I am noticing in this today the people who are getting it right are people who are are younger than the ones who are getting it wrong. I I agree, but I also that that's what I'm trying to tell you, Dan. Sports media, hockey media are probably going to get most of this right. Regular media, not the case. What you're going to I I guarantee you that you're going to see all sorts of flowery eulogies that are going to run on the news tonight oh, locally. The same people who said that Billy Packer was a beloved broadcaster. Yeah, that's that's not fair to Billy Packer. <laughs> no, like Billy no, Packer no, 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 no. I'm just saying that the mistake that, that on that level, right? Yeah, that they don't. There's, but, there's somebody but, in the newsroom, and now now that the newsrooms are so understaffed that you would have had uh, several people you could go to to bounce these things off. And now the person that you're going to is probably a 22 year old intern. But the idea is always reflexively to be nice. Like that's why we had the stuff here. Like it's like. And then, you know, it's like, that's not really what we do. Um, obviously, we know how to mourn people and we will show love to the people that deserve it. Bobby Hall doesn't deserve it from anyone outside of a close circle of people that may have figured out him or he may have shown change to. To the public, there wasn't that. To, to black people, to women, to any community that wasn't white and ho- male and hockey playing. Jews. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Let's say that they're, he's, he, he's, he's not someone that should be eulogized in, in a um, narrow way. He should be eulogized in the way that allows us to tell the whole story. About him, and it shouldn't be in paragraph seven. No, or it paragraph should be in thirteen. Paragraph one it should be in the lead. Yes, that that's your lead. That's why I say that you know, Pachetsky, Lazarus, Scott Powers. I want I want to highlight the people who are getting it right. Yeah, and I think that I think that they are, and I I do think that there is something to the idea of they were they were led astray over the last decade. That there were there are people who covered the Hawks closely and with care. Like these people really wanted to cover the hockey part of it. Like the, the hockey story that had, had started to grow. And meanwhile, there was a festering story that was growing out of control. Right here. Right underneath their noses. But because of the way that, that John McDonough would would choke off access. And would send people to threaten folks. And sometimes it was it was right in your face and sometimes it wasn't. 
Like the the things that nice you Nice credential could, you got there. Right, Be ashamed right, if anything happened right. to it. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. Like that's that's how a lot of people who covered the Hawks, whether it was on a daily basis or covering them irregularly, felt about that. So when you get to the part where people have to do real digging on a real story that affected hundreds of people, it became more difficult. And now the job, like that's why the job of rebranding and rebuilding the Blackhawks is so difficult. No one's going to give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. That's outside of that core Blackhawks fan. No one outside has given them the benefit of the doubt, which is why it was such a backwards move when Rocky was yelling at Philip Thompson and Mark Lazarus. It was such a, it was like, oh yeah, you're the guys that do that. I wonder where all of that came from over the last decade. That's where it comes mm-hmm. from, right there. That's where it comes from, and we won't forget. So when it comes to a guy that was made an ambassador by that guy, you can you can see like a direct line to it. And I applaud people who took the lesson. Like, and it hurt. I'm sure it hurt. I talking to journalists who have covered the Blackhawks for as long as they have, like all of this stuff, there is a feeling of why wasn't I a better journalist? And now I think you're seeing people say, okay, no more benefit of the doubt on any of this stuff. And it has to be that way when you're, you're talking about Bobby Hall. Simple. Good job, Mark Lazarus. Good job, Scott Powers. Good job, Barry Pachetsky. Good job to those who found a way to get this right because it's not that hard it's just not you can use your words to tell the truth and some are doing it and some are not so kudos to the ones who are when we come back i've got some advice for a legend snacks on the score bernstein and holmes middays 10 to 2 on sports radio 670 the score in odyssey station 11th play of the drive. Bennett keeping all the way and just sauntering into the end zone. His second rushing touchdown and Georgia throwing haymakers and building a big lead now. That highlight courtesy of ESPN, Stetson Bennett, two-time national championship quarterback for the University of Georgia. Stetson ran into a little bit of a problem. In Texas, he got arrested for public intoxication in Texas. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm following. He's been released. And a quote here. It's unfortunate. Honestly, it really is. I'm a huge Stetson fan. I understand things happen, and he's a kid, but it's still disappointing. Said uh, one of the officers that arrested Bennett. By the way, not a kid, 25. Let's do that. Here's my advice for Stetson Bennett the fourth. Not that he needs it. His life is probably way better than mine. Don't don't presume. I mean, come on. Two-time national champion. You got a number four on the, the back of your name. You probably got some money. This is a little dough, maybe. I'm telling you, just open up open up Stetson Land down there, man. You did car dealership, steakhouse. Dan, the whole thing. You, you read my mind. Stetson, my man. Don't ever leave the state of Georgia. There's no reason for you to. 
Georgia's got everything you need. You got the ocean. You've got mountains. You've got being Stetson Bennett in the state of Georgia. You should never leave. Ever. There's no reason to go into Alabama or go to Texas. No, your whole life is there. Take that $1.3 million that you had for NIL money this past season and just hang out. Because the party's going to come to you, big fella. You don't even need to go to the party. It's going to come to you. Want to know why? Just that's been at the fourth. You won two national championships at the University of Georgia. Sir, you're publicly drunk. You better believe I am. And can you imagine? How'd you like a ride home? Exactly. That'd be awesome, officer. Thank you. Thank you, officer, blah, 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 of the Athens Police Department. <laughs> sure, right? I would absolutely love a ride home. Man, if it, it's you're talking like University of Georgia royalty, right? right. It, it, it's you. It's, the, the Go, guy it's Gordon that, Beckham. It's the guy that ran for Senate. It's, it's REM, right? I mean, <laughs> Right, so just stand in the place that you were. Now face north. and But don't go that way. Just right? stay in Georgia. Man, what, what's the song by the Hold Steady? Was it subpoenaed in Memphis, sequestered in Texas, or the other way around? I forget what it is. Great song. But who, wasn't it? Was it Car- Alex Caruso that got picked up for weed yes. in Texas too? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I think that he should be out here living his life. I'm I'm not trying to. I just don't want him to. You know, you don't have to go down a, a bad road. Just what did what did uh, TLC say? Hey, you fired up. That's not what TLC <laughs> said. They said don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the. Yes, that's what TLC said. <laughs> hey, Quentin. <laughs> that's what. That's what they said. <laughs> So there, I hope everything is cool. I hope everything is good with Stetson Bennett the fourth, and that you don't don't ever. Yeah, man, just go 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 home to your your warm sports nest where everything is is cool and and open up restaurants and hell, you can still as hats and you could have Stetsons Stetsons. You damn and, right, and you can sell them. That's right, right, and then right next door to Stetsons Steakhouse uh-huh. and Stetsons Ford dealership. Whatever you want, right? yeah. Whatever you want. And then you, you never have to pay for a meal anywhere. You never have to pay for a drink anywhere. Just you know, know, know where everything's, where your bread's buttered, I guess. I am looking out biscuit. in the hallway right now, and I see Matt Spiegel with, What's a, up, man? with a fresh haircut. Man is looking cleaner than the board of health. And Danny Parkins is there, too. Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score.